Good afternoon. Greetings, everyone. This is Dr. I, and I'm with my esteemed colleague, Dr. Joe, and we are going to look through the window. We're just happy to be here. Aren't we? And isn't it a beautiful day? We jumped right into summer, uh, skipped over spring, and and now we're going to be, what, 88 today? Something I love like that. It. I love the I heat. I do too. It gives I love me, the heat. makes me feel like doing stuff. It does. In fact, that's what I see when I look through the window. I see sunshine today, and that does so much to help my mood and my disposition. Isn't so, that something? Yes. How weather can impact how you feel and how you approach the beginning of your day. If I, even my dogs, if it's raining outside and we look out the window and we see rain coming down, we turn over and go back to sleep. Now, there is an issue with that. We should always have joy on the inside, no matter what the weather, but it sure makes me happy when I look through the window and I see a beautiful day unfolding. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about moods today because this is Mental Health Awareness Month, and that topic has been kind of taboo in um, black families, in the black community. And um, we we need to open that door and we need to look through that window. And we're going to do that today. We have a very esteemed guest here and we have several uh, experts on mental health joining us today. But our first guest is Dr. Tiffany Porter. And she is a psychologist. She's uh, an author of many Um, articles on mental health conditions. She has a degree from um, Union Institute and University in Psychology, uh, University of Dayton Clinical Psychology, Central State HBCU in Psychology, Capital University. She's a professor there. She's got a number of um, accomplishments in the field of psychology and counseling. So we are going to greet her and say, good morning, Dr. Porter. How are you? And what a great time for her to be here, by the way. It's Mental Health Month. It is. It is. You want us to call you Dr. Porter or Dr. Tiffany? Dr. Tiffany is just fine. Okay, okay. Well, how are you doing today? I am doing well on this beautiful day. I am really excited to talk uh, with you all today about mental health and, you know, how we can incorporate more joy into our lives. Absolutely. I'm all for that. Um, Tell us how you kind of got into this field. It looks like you've been pretty um focused since you left undergrad yes so thank you for asking that my um auntie is a psychologist and so i remember as a little girl um just seeing her and i said i want to be like aunt pam because she was the first black woman that i saw that was happy and i wanted to do that and i wanted to be like that so um I have been, I knew from a young age that this is what I wanted to do. I really have passion for our communities and mental health. And I knew that this would be a way for me to give back to my community by learning, you know, about mental health so that I can be present with our folks and put it in language that we understand, that we feel more comfortable talking about 
things that are hard. And mental health is a difficult conversation for a lot of people. Yet the way that I frame it is it's a way for us to get to know ourselves better and a way for us to learn how to love ourselves better. We talk about our health all the time. Why is mental health so challenging for us to talk about? I think mental health is so challenging because of the stigma. Um, I remember growing up and, you know, hearing my grandmother talk about going in the bathroom and running the water and crying, you know, but not letting see anyone, you know, see you cry. And, you know, seeing, you know, folks in my family who have struggled with, you know, depressive symptoms. And so, it again, it's just a way for me to understand that more. And, you know, to be able to give back to our community. So I I love mental health. It is part of our physical health. And, you know, one of the things I'm also the um, chair of the General Assembly of the Association of Black Psychologists. And one of our things and one of our sayings is that, you know, if you don't have your mental health, it's hard to have your physical health. So we know how important it is to keep our minds and to to get past that stigma that prevents us from seeking help. So, so let's cut right to the chase scene. So if someone listening or someone we know is suffering from a mental health issue, and we're going to ask our speakers today to even help us clarify what is a mental health issue, but what should they do? Absolutely. So I think, first of all, recognizing when things aren't okay, when, you know, we experience depressive symptoms and, you know, a diagnosis of depression, you know, a person has to have two weeks of certain symptoms. So if a person isn't able to function in their daily lives, if they're sad, they don't have motivation, um, if they feel, you know, mentally unclear, um, those are signs of depression. And it's a two-week kind of uh, time frame. Anxiety, on the other hand, is I say anxiety and depression are our twin sisters. Um, anxiety really wants attention and anxiety comes from fear about the future whereas depression comes from worries about the past Hmm. that's interesting and so I'm sorry I said that's interesting that you framed it in in a time zone kind of thing Um, yes that's interesting okay go ahead Mm -hmm. and so you know when it comes to like anxiety There's so many, you know, um, diagnoses across that spectrum of anxiety. Yet again, you know, um, for like an acute issue, it has to be under a month. So again, just having people know that there's a window of time. So if you're experiencing these things and you're feeling out of sorts and it's happening for this amount of time, then it's a good idea to ask for support. Dr. Tiffany, I got to jump in here. Black women carry burdens with them their entire lives and don't talk about them. 
we hide them because we are trying to be superwoman. Can you confirm this? Why do we do this? I think we have been conditioned to have what we call, you know, the strong black woman syndrome, whereas we feel that, you know, our sign of strength is being able to withstand a lot of pain and suffering. And I like to frame it in a way that, you know, we have to throw that cape away. It doesn't serve us well. Well, and this is Dr. Joe. I agree that we as black women carry a lot. I talk to my girlfriends about my my stresses, and I'm not sure if they're clinically qualified to help me, but I'm concerned, too, about black men. I I don't know that they talk about it to the extent. I know that's a broad stereotype, but do black men need to seek counseling as well? I'm sorry, I can't hear you. You broke up a little bit. We're talking about black men as well. Can you hear me better now? Yes. Yes, absolutely. All right. So we just talked about black women carrying unnecessary burdens before they seek help. Mm -hmm. But is that restricted to black women or or to black people in general? Or should men be listening to this segment as well? I believe that it impacts us across the board. Black women, black men, even black children. Um, A lot of the work that I've done across, you know, my time in my profession, I've worked with black families and black dads, um, some who were single parents. And so it impacts us all. And so if so, for instance, if, you know, a brother is experiencing some distress at work and comes home to the family that family is also going to share those stresses because sometimes we have, you know, a collective sense of, you know, difficulties and trauma. And so I believe that absolutely black men, black women, black children, black elders, you know, we all need to be aware of these things so that we can learn a, how to heal and to be with people who, and I, and I know you had mentioned, excuse me, I want to go back. Um, you mentioned talking to girlfriends. And absolutely, that is a, a wonderful way to work through things. You know, I say, though, when things are bigger than that, when, you know, the problems last for a certain amount of time. And it's okay to not only talk to your girlfriends, but also, you know, have a mental health professional support you too. My girlfriends would probably be very appreciative if I would contact a mental health professional <laughs> and stop using them in that regard. But in terms of the types of support and professional assistance that okay. someone should seek if they decide to do that, which we certainly hope, especially during mental month, mental health awareness month, that they'll Absolutely. think hard about. Does the reason matter? So if I've just lost a loved one, if I've lost a job, is that different than just waking up and feeling blue for no reason I can figure out? I believe that, you know, it's so complex to, you know, answer that because a lot of times, you know, the problems that people come for support for can be different. Um, So, you know, it could be from a job loss. It could be, you know, from waking up every day and just feeling really worn down. So it's, it's, both um, of those things. Dr. Absolutely. Tiffany, 
let's talk about today. Um, we have been through a historically um, challenging time in history with the pandemic and the economic downturn and the racial unrest and the fighting. In the I'm street. sorry, I can't hear you again. Oh, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you try your uh, regular phone rather than the speaker phone? Um, I am not on speaker. Oh. Um, oh. No, I'm on, I'm on my regular phone. Can you hear me now? Um, I can. Okay, I can good. hear you great. I just was yes. trying to reference the period of history that we have endured and are still struggling with. This pandemic, this economic downturn. Uh, political unrest, yeah. racial discrimination, and, people and, killed and, and in the streets. That was a great introduction to, you know, the fact that as black people in America, you know, we have suffered collective trauma, you know, and with our with our ancestors and elders and even some things that we've endured. This has been going on for 400 plus years, you know, to be able to withstand and overcome you know, the treachery of enslavement, of course, that's going to take a toll on anyone's mental health. And so couple that with, as you said, like the pandemic, you know, it, fear of dying, you know, that that's definitely anxiety provoking and also depressing, um, not being able to have the resources that you need, you know, the prices of everything is going up and Folks have lost jobs and, and means of supporting their family. And, and so adding all of that to the mix absolutely causes, you know, collective trauma, depression, PTSD, all of those things. So what should someone expect if they seek mental health counseling? What happens? Sure. So I can, you know, basically speak from my perspective. Um, because everyone does things differently. But the first thing that I love to do is to gain that trusting relationship with the person that's coming to see me and being present and being authentically who I am and accepting them as who they are. So that's the number one thing that I do because I feel that if I don't have that type of relationship with someone, they won't be able to trust me to take those deeper dives and, you know, to help them heal. So that's the number one thing that I do first. And then is medication involved? Is it just talking to someone? What are the options? So there's so many different, you know, things that occur in, in therapy. The first thing, you know, so after, you know, having that, trust and working on that trust or concurrently um, I do an intake so I have to assess what's going on with the person so that I can determine what would be the best course of action for them and I also function from a collaborative approach so I'm not just telling someone what they need to do you know we work together as a team to help them on their journey and so I say you know you're the expert in you and I'm the expert on how to help things. And so I, I meet them where they are. And so, you know, some people come in with anxiety issues. Um, some people come in because they have 
uh, learning disabilities or um, they're dealing with bipolar disorder. So, you know, I've had an array of different, you know, diagnoses. And I tend to wait until after the third time that I meet with someone to give them a diagnosis because I think the first time I see someone, I'm not going to have, you know, the amount of information that I need. And so I talk to, you know, the folks and ask them if this is, you know, what they experience and, you know, we do it together. And so that helps me to know what the next course of action with treatment will be. So what should they expect when they leave you? Will they be feeling better? My uh, hope is that they leave feeling hopeful. Ah. You know, that they leave feeling hopeful that they've been heard, that someone is their person. They don't have to share. Um, What we talk about is confidential. So the only time I break confidentiality is if someone tells me they're going to harm themselves or someone else or someone else you know, harm someone anymore, you know, themselves. But other than that, what we talk about stays between us. And that's powerful. We have to take a really quick break, Dr. Tiffany. But when, sure. we, when we come back from the break, I'd like to talk to you specifically about um, the mental health options when we were um, unable to meet face-to-face. Some black people are still not on the Zoom train and don't necessarily feel comfortable uh, talking about their issues and their challenges and and their worries on technology. So let's jump into that when we come back from the break. And we'll be right back. That sounds great. We'll be right back. Okay, thank you. Pandemic. Uh, options for people that are struggling with mental health issues. Now, there's one barrier that we face, and that is that um, we don't like people knowing our business, first of all. And then secondly, um, if we let people know our business, then we fall off of our Eiffel Tower of prestige and, and, and respect because we got issues now. Um, But then to go to a professional counselor and then be told to zoom in to the counselor, what does that do to the credibility and the the personal nature of counseling? Sure. So, yes, we are in the Zoom era of uh, doing therapy. Um, What we found is that it is just as effective as doing a face-to-face therapy and in some cases we have gotten more people uh, seeking out support um, because of the flexibility of Zoom. So we really have it found you know that to be a major uh, barrier uh, to therapy and yes it's different you know even for me it is different um, being on Zoom um, yet I'm st- I feel like I have the opportunity to it's helpful for them to be in their own space so I can really get a good idea of what's going on for them um, in a way that I wouldn't if I were doing it just face to face. Now, I agree with you on all those points, but I'm also thinking about 
the members of the black community that may not have internet, may not may not have the um, comfort level with just going online. Um, and they certainly would be ones that have economic challenges, uh, family mm-hmm. issues. I suspect that there's probably a whole uh, group of black people that are just walking around every day with the burden of worrying about food. I I, I agree. Um, I I think that, you know, sometimes, again, like you said earlier, you know, we don't want people to see what our reality is. And I think we're just way too hard on ourselves. we, it's okay for us to have, you know, your own person that you can just be your authentic self with. And I've seen more folks, more of our people, more black folks seeking out um, therapy, which is amazing um, because there's only 3% of us in this country that are black psychologists. So, you know, we have been getting, you know, more and more people, um, connected with therapy as well. Um, a lot of folks go to our website, um, org, and we, you know, give people uh, referrals uh, for black psychologists in their area. So. And so if that happens, with all due respect, I had a family member, and I don't mean to make this just about me, but it is a personal example, a family member who finally reluctantly agreed to get mental health counseling. And we encountered so many systemic issues that I'm very bothered by that. And perhaps um, we have, with our other guests in the studio, we can begin to talk about that as well so for example if someone does seek mental health counseling given what you just said about practitioners in the field are there enough practitioners um being three percent absolutely not um we need more um black psychologists and you know to learn what black psychology is you know black psychology is a whole academic you know field um, where we, you know, do the research and also put that into practice. And, you know, we've been doing it since 1968, um, but we surely need more, more of our folks being how, mental health professionals. How do we make that happen? We need to first start making, um, becoming a mental health professional as exciting as becoming a physician or an engineer. Um, Psychology is a science, it's a STEM, you know, field. And so we we really need to start advocating more. And that's what we're doing with the Association of Black Psychologists now, is that we are making it more, uh, making ourselves more available so that we can start developing relationships with folks in the community, having connectedness to undergraduate students, graduate students, um, all the way up to becoming elders. And so that's one of the things that we're doing so that we can offer ourselves and and make it something that's exciting and and fun. Um, Psychology is so different because nothing is ever the same. So we see, we can see some of everything uh, in the course of a day. So we want people to be excited about 
the brain and feelings and emotions and how they happen, um, what areas of the brain causes certain type of emotions, you know, so people understand that mental health isn't a character issue. I have just one it's other not, issue. It's not, it's not about character. Dr. Tiffany, before we transition into the next segment of the show, what about the church? So many of our people in the community take it to the Lord, and we all do that. We were brought up that yes. way. We believe in yes. it. How do yes. you reconcile taking it to the Lord and talking to your counselor? Yes. I, from my perspective, I believe this is doing God's work. Okay. It, this is, you know, hand in hand with, you know, faith and spirituality and in the church. It goes hand in hand. Well, tell you me know, how you, we how pull you do people that. away from the precipice of darkness, you know, the same way that they do with the church. So. You know, we're both doing God's work. So is there a difference between, I keep hearing about various types of counseling. I've heard of Christian mm -hmm. counselors. Is that a specific mm -hmm. competency? And let me ask too, is there a difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist? And if so, what are the differences and how, how would one prepare to be a practitioner in those various areas of mental health care, Christian counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists, help us understand the differences and similarities. Sure. So, um, in the people that are counselors, they're typically licensed at the master degree level. And so that would go for, um, uh, Christian counselors, um, licensed professional counselors, um, even social workers. So that's at the master's uh, level. And psychologists, we're at the doctoral level. So, you know, part of our training is that we have to do a match um, for residency, which is our internships. And we also do uh, postdoctoral fellowships. Um, now in Ohio, it's not required to do a postdoctoral fellowship, um, I did one, and I, I really believe it, you know, helped me tremendously in my in my growth. Um, a psychiatrist is a um, uh, physician who has been trained in medical school, same thing, residency, fellowship. Um, they don't uh, sit down and do therapy. Um, they just go by the assessment of symptoms and prescribe medication. So I like to work in conjunction with a psychiatrist if I have somebody that, that I'm seeing. Because I think, you know, it helps a, you know, the individual knowing that these two entities are in communication. Because um, we talk about how medication affects people all the time. And in psychology, there's two different types, though, of license so it's a counseling psychologist and then clinical psychologist great that that's good advice good information for someone seeking a career in one of those yes. fields and also if someone is listening and has decided that they need help how do they know then who to go to for help how to find the resources that they need what should they do 
I'm sorry, you cut out again. I only got part of what you were saying. I'm sorry. If someone decides that they need help, if they're willing to go forward now and seek help, how do they know what they should do, who they should go to? Um, So we have a lot of black practitioners in the area. Um, I have a couple of amazing friends that are uh, social workers um, in the area as well. And so people can contact me if they if they need to. Um, they can also go to abci.org and in that website we help uh, folks find practitioners in their area. Could you give us that website again, please? Yes, it is abci. So abpsi.org. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your um, busy Saturday, I'm sure, and sharing that information with us. We appreciate it. We hope that um, the right people that that need to hear this have taken it into consideration. And we just want to see everybody um, recover from this historically difficult time. Um, So, again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to transition to our next guest. And, okay. Um, but you have a wonderful day. Thank you. Take good care. Thanks for having me again. All righty. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. We have another um, accomplished African-American professional um, here. And um, we're going to transition over and talk about uh, the mental health uh industry and the resources and the structure and this is Dr. Amina Kimaver. Kimavor. Kimavor and we're going to call her Dr. K. Thank you. So we have Dr. I, Dr. J, Dr. Joe and Dr. K here. (laughs) Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, So I I like what was shared, what Dr. Tiffany shared about how she started uh, in this field and I knew when I was a sophomore in high school believe it or not that I was going to have a career a lifelong career in mental health and so I just continued onward from there with a bachelor's degree in psychology a master's in clinical counseling and a PhD in uh, counselor education and supervision and so I've worked in a lot of different settings from community mental health hospitals I started in hospitals psychiatric hospitals in Kentucky Uh, in college settings and really just developing clinical mental health programs that would be supportive to the needs uh, of the community or to the students when I worked at colleges. Are you from Columbus? I'm not. I've actually been here for like 21 years though, so it kind of feels like it. I'm actually from Louisville. Pronounced Louisville though. I understand. (laughs) Let's get it right. Let's get it right. Tell us about your practice here. Uh, So where I am right now is WCAP counseling. That literally stands for We Care About People. Um, which has really been great. I've been there for just a little over one year now, and we are really focused on serving uh, the mental health needs of the community. And so we are a small uh, nonprofit. Uh, We have a fundraiser, a bingo fundraiser, that generates a lot of the funding for us to be able to operate and serve the mental health and uh, drug and alcohol needs of our clients. And uh, with the pandemic at hand, it has been quite a roller coaster, uh, but it's been um, a really dynamic opportunity to kind of work through all these different complexities that we were just talking about with Dr. Tiffany regarding being able to reach the community and provide um, adequate care, which I truly believe starts with, you know, um, education 
and making sure that they know and they are aware and being able to advocate uh, for themselves. So, Okay. What, um, give us an example of what the intake process is when someone comes to you. Sure. So we are, we're not really post-pandemic, right? I know we're starting to use that language, but I feel like we're still really very much in it. But um, prior to that, it was pretty, you know, general in terms of people, you know, you go to your doctor's office, you fill out paperwork, you have a seat and someone is with you. Um, So now we are completely um, off of paper, as I say. So all of our processes are electronic and very easy to use. Uh, You can actually fill out all of your documentation on your smartphone. Uh, and sign it, your consent forms, um, everything from from that to um, figuring out what your net, your first appointment is going to be, and actually being able to connect with your licensed professional uh, either uh, in video format, which is typically what the structure was before the pandemic, uh, but now with the relaxed um, ORC codes, administrative codes through Ohio Moss, we can actually connect with clients' audio uh, on the phone, and so we do offer both. Uh, with regard to the telehealth model, uh, but the video is is a lot better. A lot of clients do prefer it because they still get to have the face-to-face connection with their client, and that uh, platform that we offer is still confidential. It is still HIPAA-bound, um, but we all know that there are you know things with technology regarding phone that you may or may not be able to um, guarantee uh, the confidentiality just because of the technology component. And so we do stress that, and we have had a lot of uh, people really enjoy being able to do either the audio or the video um, and still get the best you know, quality of care from their clinician. So you're telling me that I could stay at home mm-hmm. and I could talk to a counselor to yes. get the help. Is, is it expensive either at home or mm-hmm. in person? So that's a really big complex question, right? Because prior to uh, COVID and all the, the, the demand of telehealth um, insurance companies, we noticed when the pandemic initially started, everything just, the door just got kicked wide open no co-pays, you know, free telehealth, you know, all of that. And so staying at home and doing telehealth uh, for a lot of people who have insurance, um, Medicaid, for example, we see clients that have Medicaid as well as clients that have private insurance, um, that they are uh, able to do that at the beginning of the pandemic was really just no cost because insurance was like, here you go. Um, but things are starting to scale back a little bit. And so we know that. And so now we are able to offer some no cost services for clients who reach out to us who are, you know, in need of counseling uh, at no cost uh, to them. So they would just need to identify that. And we will ask as well when they call and they can still get the same quality of care as anybody else that has insurance or that might, you know, pay out of pocket. And how long does a a treatment program, if you will, Mm -hmm. usually last? So we have a different, a couple different services. So we provide mental health counseling. That's the one-on-one drug and alcohol counseling as well. could be one-on-one. We had some groups in the past. We're looking forward to bringing those back. We do offer anger management as well. And then if you're coming in, depending on, again, kind of like the issue, uh, that would, that would actually determine the trajectory of the treatment. And so it really depends on what the concerns are and how that client is actually progressing through uh, treatment um, that would lend itself to an answer like, you know, what the longevity um, would be. So some people may come in um, and see a counselor for, you know, eight to 10 sessions, maybe 12, uh, 14. And then the frequency, you have to add that factor in as well. So you may initially start by being seen four to five, um, you know, weeks back to back, and then it may trail off. It really kind of just depends how that client is um, adapting to those new coping skills that they're trying out to better their life. 
thinking of people who might have more severe issues, Mm -hmm. more severe, I'm going to call them medical issues Mm -hmm. for lack of a clinical background myself. Mm -hmm. How does that happen? People who even might need hospitalization. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah. So, you know, clinicians will um, assess the severity um, of the symptomatology for every single client that we see and be able to progressively make a determination as to whether or not a client actually may benefit from uh, an inpatient program at a local hospital or what we call partial hospitalization PHP which means you basically can get the same level of treatment as you would inpatient except you go home at night and then you would come back you know the next day and kind of do those same things so those are different uh, things that are offered you know in the community so the severity part is uh, very uh, individual and so we can't really say that you know anybody with any quote-unquote severe you know mental illness is always going to be in that position to a higher level of care like a hospital so it really just depends you could have a severe mental illness but still be coping very well to the point of mental health recovery not just addiction recovery but mental health recovery is is possible as well and so it really kind of just depends it's pretty individual I've heard stories of families who have um, family members or friends who they believe need uh, mental health counseling and maybe even hospitalization, but it's been tough for them to work with that person and with the system to get that kind of help. We're going to take a quick break. Can we talk about that when we come back? Absolutely. Thank you. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. We're happy to have experts here who can help our listeners become more aware of mental health challenges and resources. We have Dr. K who has asked us to please call her Dr. K and not mangle her name. So if you could tell us your real name, we'll proceed with our conversation. Oh, it's Dr. Kimavor. All right. Thank thank you. you. So we were just talking about what happens if someone hopefully decides to get treatment for any mental health issues they may be experiencing. And we had just asked you before the break about someone who might be maybe at the more severe, more problematic end of the scale, Mm -hmm. need some type of help, but perhaps not be as cooperative as their family might hope they would be in getting the type of assistance they need on a long-term basis. There's certain types of laws that protect and mandate Mm -hmm. the extent to which someone can be forced to have mental health treatment. Is that correct? Correct, yes. If if, if someone is at the level of severity by which they would benefit from uh, inpatient, if you will, hospitalization due to the severity of their symptoms, um, there are um, laws in place that can mandate someone um, to be hospitalized for um, a minimum of 72 hours it would be considered like a 72 hour hold or at least until a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist I'm sorry in the state of Ohio uh, could evaluate them and determine what their actual needs are uh, beyond hospitalization or while they are yet and still in the hospital. You also mentioned addiction. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about the types of services you provide as it relates to addiction. Yeah so at WCAP Counseling we do have um, all of our clinicians are licensed to Uh, provide addiction treatment, uh, drug and alcohol treatment for any of our clients. And so uh, we, you know, alongside with uh, uh, the mental health component, we have seen that uh, addiction does not generally stand alone, um, that there tends to be some underlying 
condition regarding mental health, but it also, because of the medical component, like you just mentioned, tends to be what we uh, would like to, in general, focus on uh, first, if it is at a level of severity that may cause, you know, accidental harm uh, to the person before we can get to some of the more underlying mental health issues like trauma uh, and depression, anxiety, and things like that. And so those would be considered comorbid um, disorders. So we're kind of working with the client on both and regarding their treatment to make sure that we can keep them uh, on the right track. And so I've heard people like myself who aren't trained in the field Mm -hmm. refer to excessive drug and alcohol use as being self-medicating for people who might Mm -hmm. be suffering from forms of mental health. Is there some accuracy in that? Yes, there's accuracy in that. That, And that's actually the term that we do uh, utilize when when we see someone that has that level of severity or just use in general that they may be self-medicating and avoiding something else. We'd like to talk more about the effects of trauma, too. We have another guest that we're going to bring on the line momentarily. What is trauma, especially long-term trauma that I've heard about? Yeah, so one of the things that Dr. Tiffany shared I wanted to highlight, because I believe that language and knowing like the, the right things to say, we put the language to the behavior, um, especially in the black community, is really hard to do that because we've used other language for so long and it's been so common and we don't really address that. And so you can put it in layman's terms to say that whenever there's an impact on a person's ability to live, laugh, and love, then we know that something else is deeper um, that's going on. And so trauma does fall in line with that um, inability, if you will, or challenged for that person to live, laugh, and love. And there's a lot of components related to trauma from witnessing trauma, being a part of the trauma yourself, um, then the effects afterwards, behaviors of hypervigilance, um, not being able to, you know, to sleep, the flashbacks, all of those commonalities. And as a people, as, as a community, we've suffered this for, like she shared, for over 400 years. Mm-hmm. And so it's generational. Um, that's a great transition mm-hmm. because I want to bring on uh, a woman who has been committed to mental health wellness for many, many years. Her name is Janie Bailey. She was the former executive director of Columbus Area Mental Health um, here in Columbus. And I was fortunate to be on the board when she was um, leading um, the services and the outreach. And I would like to welcome her to the show. Hello, Janie. Janie, are you there? Hello. I think I have lost her. Okay, well, we'll, we'll keep talking about the resources available. Um, now, when, when someone comes, is that, when someone comes to you, Dr. K, yes. and has no money, mm-hmm. nothing, mm-hmm. what do you do? Uh, we will see them. We will see them at WCAP Counseling. We will see them. Um, so we, we do have a full intake process that allows us to capture that information within the first phone call so that we know whether or not um, what, you know, what barriers are uh, in front of them. And if paying for services is something that um, is a barrier for them, that we want to talk them through um, that process and let them know that, you know, they can still come to us and be able to receive the same quality of care as they would if they did have insurance, as they would if they were paying out of pocket. 
Wow, that's mm-hmm. a wonderful benefit because there are a lot of people that don't have any money. There's a lot of people that do not have that. And, you know, the heart of our agency, we care about people is true. We come to us so that we may be able to care for you. Um, I think one of the other, I think we talked about barriers early, but one of the other barriers that goes along with that component of uh, no-cost services is just availability. A lot of clients call our office and the availability and wait for services that a lot of places are three and four months long. Mm -hmm. We have immediate openings right now. Excellent, excellent. Immediate openings, yeah. Let me get back on the uh, phone with uh, Mrs. Janie Bailey. Are you there, Janie? Yes, I am. Oh, thank you, thank you. Welcome to the show. I'm sorry we're, we're having some technical difficulties. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Every now and then it gets choppy and I don't hear it. I lose you. Oh, but okay. right now it's good. Okay, great, great. Um, I just mentioned that um, I met you when you were leading Columbus Area Mental Health. And um, it was a pillar in the community. And there were all kinds of services there and people that were committed. Oops, you went away. I went away? Hello. Hello. Okay, you went away for a little bit there, and I didn't hear what you were saying. I was just talking about the history of Columbus area. Okay, okay. Can you kind of summarize what was going on there when you were leading it? Uh, I think you asked what was going on at Columbus area. When When you were there. Okay, well, I can just start from the beginning. I'm not really sure what your question was because, as I said, um, we're getting staccato sounds here in and I'm missing much of what you're saying. But at any rate, when I um, started at Columbus area, it was called Columbus Area Community Mental Health Center. And at that particular time, we were noticing that many of the residents who needed services were reluctant to come. And so we decided to do a little survey to find out what was the problem. And the response that we got back was overwhelming, that they were, I guess, reluctant because of the fact that it said mental health. And people were concerned that if they were being seen coming in and out of the building, that people both think that they were crazy, they didn't want that. So what we did as an organization was to remove uh, that particular piece because, you know, one of the things that we learned when we were in school is that you meet the client where the client is. And if that's where they are and that's what, making them hesitant to come and seek treatment, then we needed to take that barrier away. And we did see an improvement, actually. Once that was down, after a few years, we saw that that was um, no longer a hindrance because people did begin to attend on a regular basis as walk-ins sometimes. Um, So I hope that that's what you were asking. I'm not sure. Absolutely. Can you hear me now? Yes, I hear you right now. Absolutely. you don't get cut off again. Okay. Yeah, because we only have a few more minutes of the show. But I wanted to ask you from your uh, expert um, position and your knowledge over the years you were there, why is the black community so reluctant to go into a, 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 an institution and say, I am not mentally or emotionally well? Well, part of it is shame, unfortunately. Uh, and that is because of the way that um, people with mental illness have been portrayed through the media. Uh, not necessarily, I can't say that it was designed that way, but that is what has been happening. And the other is just 
people not understanding uh, while people I mean we liking it to if a person has diabetes they have no problem seeking um, treatment for that but again it's the stigma that has been associated with having such a diagnosis and so we've had to try to work around that uh, with um, through the Franklin County Adam board there was a lot of emphasis being placed on helping people to um, re- get rid of that stigma so that people would not wait until the last minute to come in for treatment because oftentimes it's like anything else if you can catch it in time you may very well have a better chance of managing it if not necessarily eradicating it because those illnesses like diabetes you may be able to uh, I would say control and manage it but you never really get rid of it because if you go back doing the same thing that you were doing previously then you would not uh, necessarily uh, say you've gotten rid of it because it's always there it's just being that you're managing it better with controlled medications or diets or whatever when you were there and i don't know if you remember this or not but um there was a woman that needed mental health re- help and she used to hide in saint paul ame church now you went completely away i didn't oh. hear you at all oh i'm sorry um can you hear me now hello hello I, I missed all of that. You were completely gone. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. Um, I'll tell you what, we, we're almost out of time anyway, but we want to thank you for giving us your perspective on mental health here in the uh, Columbus area and the black community. And we're going to um, transition back over to Dr. K and that ask her great. to give us some, a, a rundown of some of the, the resources available for people that are struggling with mental or emotional problems. Thank you. Yeah, so as I was sharing before, I I work at WCAP Counseling. It's a small nonprofit community mental health agency. Uh, We do provide services for uh, persons who have insurance and for persons who don't. So I think that's a really key component because that access component is is definitely a barrier um, for the community and so I'm going to just kind of list off a couple resources real quickly so our our agency phone number is 614-239-9965 could you say that again please sure WCAP counseling 614-239-9965 we're located in Reynoldsburg but we do have telehealth services so you don't have to leave your home to connect with a licensed professional um, which is great Um, if there's a a crisis situation happening uh, mental health wise you can call 911 or go to your nearest emergency room you can reach out to netcare access which is 614-276-2273 and because we've talked about suicide prevention or crisis intervention i'll just give two more resources that are broad Uh, the national suicide prevention lifeline uh, is 1-800-273 8255. Again, that's 1 800 273 8255. And the crisis text line we really like to provide to people who are experiencing just any type of significant troubles, not necessarily crisis, that may be around other people in a room but can't talk. But you can text home to 741 741, and within about five minutes, the licensed professional will be on the line uh, to be able to talk to you and kind of process you through whatever it is you may be experiencing in that moment that had you to reach out. 
Great. Dr. K, you made a point earlier that I'd, I'd like to stress personally, and that has to do with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is mental health is not a function of just the pandemic. We've had mental health issues for years. The second is we're not yet post-pandemic. Right. And so this is an editorial comment from me. I'm wondering for people who don't want to take the vaccine, who don't want to wear a mask, what their solution is as to how we get to the other side of the pandemic, because certainly this situation isn't making our mental health any stronger yeah it's it's not and and i've had so many conversations and what i've realized is that they're very individual all of those decisions are very individual and as clinicians you know we are here as counselors to meet people where they are and help them get to beyond where they are whatever that looks like for them Thank you so much for joining us here on The Window. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Hopefully you've heard something today that will give you hope or help you be more hopeful about getting your family members and your friends the assistance that you need. You don't have to be burdened with the stigma or the trauma of mental health any more than you have to deal with any other health situation where there are professionals to help you. Dr. I. Thank you so much, Dr. K. Thank you. I Thank really appreciate you, it. Um, Janie, for joining us. Sorry about the technology problems. Dr. Joe, it's always good to be with you. And we are going to say farewell until next Saturday from the window.
1580. The Praise Columbus, Ohio. Thank you, Central Ohio, for making us your number one gospel station. Get your church on before going to church. Every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. with Bishop James Delaney and the St. James Christ.